0: corner of government and bay avenue the old doomsday fanatic wore a crown of kudzu sirens were wailing in the gulf coast of the door as the newspaper
1: Thanks for tuning into the Songlines and Tanlines podcast with Anthony Renfro. Those returning, thank you. Those new to this podcast, welcome. Now let's pull up the anchor and set sail. The song that opened the episode is called Love in the Library, in case you didn't know that, and it's from what is probably my second favorite Jimmy Buffett album, Fruitcakes, an album I plan to dive into very soon. This was the album that dropped right after I became a parrot head, so it has a lot of personal memories for me. And my first show was right around the time this album dropped. As well, lots of big memories tied into this one album, as you see. And more on those memories when I get to the album review. Love in the Library saw the concert stage twice. First time in May of 1992, and the last time it was played live was when Jimmy did the episodes for the songs You Don't Know By Heart series. That's a shame. This song should have seen the concert stage many, many more times and you would think a song like this would have gotten more play for the simple reason that Jimmy loves books. Guess the song got lost in the mountains of songs he has and just never found a way to rise to the top. That happens when an artist is as prolific as Jimmy. In doing my research for this episode, I found this on oldtimemusic.com, and I thought it was an interesting blurb. You know me, I love a good blurb. Here it is, and this blurb comes from the article, The Meaning Behind the Song, Love in the Library by Jimmy Buffett, and it says, last updated on August 19, 2023 by Jennifer Bell. Just want to give her some credit. She writes, in Love in the Library, Buffett takes us on a journey through the pages of books Exploring the emotional landscapes contained within. The song tells the story of a love affair that blossoms in the confines of a library where passion stood waiting to be released. The library serves as a metaphorical sanctuary, a backdrop against which love flourishes and transcends beyond the written words. Buffett's lyrics paint vivid imagery of two people finding solace and connection amidst the rows of books. He sings of stolen kisses tucked within the pages, whispered words of love between the shelves, and the tantalizing allure of intellectual passion. The library becomes a place where this love blooms and thrives, fueled by the knowledge and inspiration found within the literary world. I thought that was a pretty cool find and something neat to dive into. And here's Jimmy himself talking about this song.
0: Public performance of Love in the Library is May 6, 1992 at the Texas Connection in Austin. Really? Why have you not performed this song in almost 28 years? I have no idea. I never thought of it as something that that would fit into a show. I mean I had other other songs in rotation that you know when you're doing shows there's there's like I said before this There's a simple pattern to it and it's about energy and recognition and so when you're playing uh big you know when you're playing to to bigger audiences and then you know um you you tend to kind of find the find the spots for the knots of the lower energy songs but there were a lot of those like you know and i think that that's what you play what people really want to hear and that's what I was just that just was my thought so I had come Monday I had he went to Paris I had but people want to hear this well I guess they do now huh? yeah well why do you think so this song I you know I really love the song it was kind of a history lesson it takes me back to Mobile because I used to go was, uh, um, I was uh, like a—I was a civil war and uh, and uh, a like a, a Gulf Coast, I love Gulf Coast history, and, I'm, and uh, I would go and study in the library, mainly because it was air-conditioned, <laughs> and it was hotter than the edges of hell Mobile, Alabama when I was growing up, and uh, yeah, and there was a cute librarian at the time, so, uh, and uh, so. And I would go to that library, and then later on the Spring Hill College library I would go to, because uh, we, and uh, I always found myself in libraries because I just liked them. What was, did you major in in, co- in college? What, what I had a colleges? double major because it took me a while to get out, so I, I was a history and a journalism major. I had a double major. Which college did you end up graduating from? The University of Southern Mississippi in 1969. Who inspired your love of literature? My mother. Yeah, my mother uh, was a reader and had us all reading, so, and um, she always wanted me to be a writer at that time, so, and I wound up doing that, but she was the one that really uh, made sure that we read, because I think she knew that for us to read, we would see the world as a bigger place than where we grew up which was a great gift. Who's your second favorite writer besides Mark Twain? Wow. Second favorite writer besides Hmm. So, you, uh, like contemporary or like just overall? Overall. Overall, second favorite writer other than Mark Twain. Hmm, man. Let me think think of the multiple, multiple books that I'd read like that. Um, Flannery O'Connor. I love Flannery O'Connor because she was from Mississippi and you know where I would try to read Faulkner and and it would get so convoluted because he was so out there and such a genius but Flannery O'Connor you could read and I, I, yeah I'd say Flannery O'Connor. Her stories were so Kind of uh, familiar with me because I had another, I had a seafaring grandfather and I had a, a farmer grandfather that lived in Mississippi. So when I'd go up there to see my mother's father, you kind of felt it, and you, it was you were kind of in Flannery O'Connor land. And uh, a good man is hard to find. That would be that would be the book I remember. I really liked a lot.
1: Seeing that on YouTube right now, as I recorded that, just makes me miss Jimmy a little bit more. You know. He seemed like a pretty good fella. And thankfully, I got in what I wanted to get in for that intro because uh, stupid ads on YouTube these days. Can't even watch a nine-minute video anymore without an ad breaking up the whole thing in the middle of it. I mean, can't they just put the ads at the start of the freaking video or at the end or maybe just one quick one somewhere? I don't know. They need better algorithms for those ads. Anyways, rant over. Moving on to the second song, that I want to feature Cowboy in the Jungle. A song played live for the first time in March of 1978 and the last time it was played live was in 2023 in April and that was kind of a surprise to me when I realized that Jimmy played 13 shows in 2023 with all he had going on the man still managed to climb onto the stage for 13 times amazing To learn that fact, the man loved his audience, and we certainly loved him.
0: There's a cowboy in the jungle, and he looks so out of place. With his shrimp skin boots and his sheep his skin's as white as paste Headed south to Paraguay where the gauchos sing and shout. but he got stuck in Porto Bello when his money all ran out. Now he hangs out with the sailors ways hell. And his original Just another story that he loves to tell.
1: No... Always enjoyed that song. And it's another Jimmy classic from start to finish. I found a link to his Bora Bora show in 2010. And this song is on the set list. Check the show notes for that link because that is a show that needs to be seen. It's very unique, very different, and it's probably a show that should be a concert CD or DVD. It should be in whatever media form is available at the time. It really needs to be out there somewhere. I think it's only Mac and Robert Greenwich playing with Jimmy at this show. It's really, really cool. It's one of my favorites that I've watched throughout the years. And like the last song, I'm going to go ahead and dive over to youtube pray to god no ads break it up this time and let's hear what jimmy had to say about cowboy in the jungle
0: is... cowboy in the jungle what album was the song is this a quiz the answer is son of a sailor 1978 okay i would a guessed day 1a okay it's on son of the sailor okay yeah. So, Cowboy in the Jungle was written, and and the title uh, I wrote for a friend of mine who was uh, a great sailor. And many years later, I found out before he was a sailor, he actually was a cowboy in upstate New York on the cattle ranch. I never thought of New York having cattle. And um, we wound up sailing together from Key West to Miami down to the British Virgin Islands. And, and he was... Uh, he had quite a history of, of going around and stories and things and, and going along with that sometime I was reading this book about uh, about Panama and uh, back in the early days when the British and the Spanish were all fighting down there and it was a great book on Sir Francis Drake who sacked the town of uh, Portobello where all the money was. It would have been like the Fort Knox of Panama when the, when the Spanish had tons and tons of gold. and. I always kind of liked that and wanted to go to Portobello, which I did later on. But between those two things and then living on my boat in the Virgin Islands, that's where the last couple of verses came in. So I took those three kind of sources of adventures and put them into one song. But well, then how did Montana come into play? Montana came in, Cowboy in the Jungle also would have been the fact that in 1975, uh, I went to Montana to do the music for Rancho Deluxe that, that Tom McGuane, my brother-in-law wrote. And uh, it's still kind of a classic movie out there. It was a very funny movie. And I got into being a cowboy. I had cowboy boots, I had cowboy hat, went to cowboy bars. And so, and I continued to go to Montana a lot in the summer, even though I was kind of going back and forth between the Virgin Islands and Montana and uh, and Key West. So. That that little song line right there, kind of is what Cowboy in the Jungle is about. So it's about Joe. Uh, yeah, he inspired. He was the first one inspired, and that's he's the Cowboy in the Jungle that I was thinking about. And I put some other adventures in his life that he didn't have, so I made some up. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Alright.
1: Can't believe I got through that without one single ad interrupting me. Amazing. Bit of luck on that one, right? If you're sick of YouTube ads, hit me up. Songlinesandtandlines at gmail.com. And hearing Jimmy talk about that song just made me think. Traveling between the Virgin Islands, Key West, and Montana. I mean, the dude certainly lived a very good life. Before I get to the third song, I want to feature let me give you some insight into the album Songs You Don't Know By Heart. Songs You Don't Know By Heart is the 31st studio album by Jimmy Buffett, released on November 27, 2020. This was the last studio album to be released in Buffett's lifetime before his death in 2023. And Wikipedia also says what you guys probably already know, but I'll read it anyway. The album comprises new acoustic recordings of songs previously recorded by Buffett. The album was recorded based on an online video series recorded by Jimmy and his daughter Delaney. I added that in. They forgot to put that there. Where he would perform lesser-known songs from his catalog as chosen by online fan vote. The video series was filmed and directed by Buffett's daughter Delaney. Oh wait, they did put that in there. My bad. Anyway, amidst the COVID-19 Pandemic. The title of the album is a play on and contrast to Buffett's 1985 Greatest Hits album, Songs You Know By Heart. Cool stuff to learn if you didn't know it already. And I didn't realize this was his last studio album while he was still living. His new album will come out after his death, so that is correct. You know, Wikipedia can't always be trusted 100%, but I think they got it right this time. Now, on to that third song that I want to feature, the one that will close out the episode. It is called The Night I Painted the Sky, a song played live six times, first time in June of 1995, and I searched throughout the 90s, and I was not at any of the shows where he performed this song. That sucks. Great tune. Would have loved to see it live. Alas, I didn't. And the last time it was performed live was in 2020 july of that year at a private venue which is probably the place where he recorded this series or the episode for this song and one more time back to youtube fingers crossed no ads let's put that in the zeitgeist of the world now no ads no ads all right i'm gonna swing over there and let jimmy talk a little more about the night i painted the sky
0: That's according to you and Dylan, but, you know, this is probably right. I don't th- I'm... Last time you played, it was 1999. 1999? Yeah. Wow. What's it about? This is, uh, I started this song, because this was about when Groovy had a fireworks company in St. Barb's. Who was, was Groovy? Groovy is uh, Larry Gray. Who was um, Mom's best friend? And mom, I met Groovy, or AKA Larry Gray, when I met your mother, because she came down to visit him when she came to Key West. So we are longtime friends, and we became great friends. And he was the captain of the boat, and we all went to St. Bart's together. What college roommate? He was your college roommate. What? Groovy was your college roommate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. She wanted to contribute. Okay, college roommate. Who are we talking to? We're talking to the world. The world. Say hi world. Hi world. <laughs> i like to get credit. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, ooh, I bumped it. Did you help write this song, Goddess? Um, I don't like that kind of credit. I don't think so. Just the groovy She's always there as inspiration though mm-hmm there you got it mom there you go and his muse <laughs> what did she say she said you're his you're her she's your muse <laughs> my muse yeah. yeah yeah okay I like that I like that so he, they had a fireworks company and it was kind of a ragtag fireworks company called muahawk and they were doing, at that time I think there was just Groovy, his brother John, and I think a French guy named Momo that did the shoots. So they asked me to go one night and I, I loved firecrackers anyway and I was kind of a pyromaniac anyway. And we went to St. Martin to do this show and of course stuff went wrong. They had, they laid it all out and they had a little what what kind of Resembled a computer box, and this was Groovy. Was always, "Man, we just—you don't have to light them off. You know, this box lights them all off." I said, "Yeah, okay, great." And it was—it was going great, and they would—you know—just switch the switch, and they'd all go off, and then the box, the box went dead, and we had to go out there (laughs) and jump. Over, We were in a trench behind where all the fireworks, we had to run out there and light some of them or put the wires back together, I can't remember, but it it got to be, it was a little bit of panic in the gray room at the time, but somehow or another we got it fixed and we finished the fireworks show. And uh, we just had a a laugh about it after that. (laughs) At that time, this was when St. Bart's wasn't as big time as it is now or known, but they would do fireworks shows in St. Bart's and inevitably they would set the hill on fire and the firemen would have to come out and put it out. Everybody kind of made a joke about it, that they would watch the fireworks of the show and then wait for the hill to catch on fire. It was pretty (laughs) ragtag, but uh, I thought it was worth remembering Yeah, and it was a good time.
1: Just watching that video like the other two really just kind of breaks my heart a little more, you know, seeing Jimmy so full of life and this one, Maybe it hits a little harder, seeing him goofing off with his family like that. Man, I bet you they're really missing him to this day. If it's hurting us this bad, I can only imagine how bad it's hurting them. Anyways, I'm not going to go down that road anymore, but it's probably going to be a part of this podcast. It's probably, his death is probably going to just be a part of everything that I do from here forward in my life. Um, But anyways, I do hope you enjoyed this dive into An album I wish Jimmy would have had made at least two more of. Maybe more. I loved hearing these songs stripped down and the stories behind them. At least we have the collection, right? At least we have this collection, right? And many more concert stories spread throughout the years. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you do enjoy what I do here, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Once you finish the episode or pause it right now and go do your review and rating and then come back and listen to this last great Jimmy Buffett song. And of course, if you want to support me, you want to reach out. All the is in the show notes and I'll try to include that Bora Bora link there too. So take care. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. <music>
0: I came from the north, the escaping convention, the modern invention that won't let me be to the shores of Saint Martin with my fiction addiction to restart the fire, a dreamer's remedy independence day and all i remember was a midnight rainbow that fell from the sky as i stand on the beach and slowly surrender to the child in me who can't say good